Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. We are back with another edition of Nobody Told Me That, and I am continuing the insurance nerd parade here. I have my friend Patrick O'Rourke from Practice Quotient here. Hi, Patrick. How are you? You're awesome, Teresa. How are you? I, I am good. I'm always excited to break out my insurance sweatshirt, my insurance outfit. I love talking to people who love insurance as much as I do. For those of you who are not familiar with Patrick, he's the owner of Practice Quotient. He is the host of the Dental Business Radio show, which is pretty awesome. Their first guest was pretty cool because it was me. That's right. <laughs> you had a really good episode with a gentleman from Tusk, which really kind of broke down the DSO side of it too. So I urge everybody, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to go check out his podcast because it's, it's another one of those meaty podcasts that I really like. So I, I hope that you continue to do really good things with it. How's it been being a podcaster? It's been great. It's uh, served as kind of a creative outlet. You know, usually I speak, you know, you speak. This has been a way because there's nowhere to speak anymore. I feel like I have a lot to say. It builds up inside. My wife does not want to hear about insurance stuff. My kids do not want to hear about insurance stuff. And not that the show is actually about insurance stuff. Bring on people I respect that I have conversations with, really about their subject matter expertise. Uh, you know, Kevin Tumbus was a really good example of that. You know, I basically called him up before the show and I said, I want you to be on the show. And he's like, why? And I was like, because I, I get a kick out of you. And I want to find out what you're up to. And I don't want you to tell me right now. I want you to tell me on the show. And that's the show. Like, that's our conversation that we had. And the really like my takeaway from it was the valuation methodology. How is that, you know, what is used? How is it used? And what shenanigans go along with that? And so I like what I call truth tellers. Mm -hmm. And he certainly qualifies as one of them. It was interesting to hear the due diligence side of it. I don't really think due diligence is, it happens early enough. So it was really good to hear him talk about that. I think a lot of people wait to do the numbers and, and their due diligence on the partner that they're looking to, to go into business with, maybe I think a little bit too late in the, in the process. So I was really interested in the fact that he you know, was talking about how these practices now are being valued at, in a different way than, than prior to COVID. So again, I am totally nerding out. I don't want to talk about your show too much because people will be like, wait, what? I haven't even heard the show. <laughs> so I'm going to urge people to go back and listen to that. Sneak preview. The reason I have you on this program, though, is because you are one of the best negotiators out there. And what I mean by negotiators is not like a hostage situation, although sometimes it can feel like it. Uh, it's the contracts. So you're a con insurance contract negotiator. You and your partner Scott, uh, who I just love, Scott. 
Prescott is is underrated. He needs to be front and center more. But there's not a lot to be front and center. But... I know he likes to be in the background, but you know, shout out to Scott. But uh, what you do really well, you two do really well, is take a look at practices and how they're doing with their fees, and then you try to get them the best fees out there. I think that's that's basic negotiation, right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and I can neither confirm nor deny whether there's snipers on the roof. <laughs> I think sometimes people feel like there's snipers in their office, the way these insurance contracts can seem. You've been able to negotiate some really good contracts, and then you've seen some clunkers. And I want to be clear, I think you and I are both on the same page here. The insurance contract has to work for people, and there's a lot of offices where it does work. So I'm, we're not here to disparage all contracts, because some contracts can be really good for the practice. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing right now? It's been an interesting year for for all the obvious reasons that I don't want to go into COVID talk because it's you know I think we're all burned down on that. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, kind of created a little bit of you know opportunities on either side. It changes perceptions I think of doctors and whether they're willing to work for less or not when you are factoring in the safety and welfare of not just your family but your staff's family as well. So that's been an interesting shift. As far as the insurance industry is concerned, there is they have not paid, they were able to not pay claims for a quarter, which is huge. Mm-hmm. So my hope was that they were going to take that money and um, use it constructively. And a lot of them have done so. If you look at the ADA and the PPE website, and some of them are using that money in other ways for long-term benefit, let's say themselves. We can talk about that. Yeah, I, I want to dig into that. To kind of set the tone or set the table for the listeners, I'm from the insurance industry directly. So I still identify myself as somebody from the insurance industry. I have a lot of respect for the insurance industry. I don't disrespect the insurance industry. I may make fun of them sometimes, but I feel like I have the credibility to do that. <laughs> so just so everybody knows, that's Pat's background. Pat's from the insurance industry. So I certified dental benefits underwriting. Uh, amongst many, many other things, I've actually built networks and sold not just dental insurance, but health insurance. So here's a couple things that have come to light recently. Um, I don't know which one we want to hit on first. Let's go with this one. So certain carrier looked around some of their contracts and they said, these contracts here, we're paying a lot of money on these ones. So how about this? Go call these doctors or send them a letter depending on how important they are, um, I suppose. I'm not sure how they came up with their criteria. And let's go tell them that we're going to pay them less, but they need money now, right? So let's give them a check, and we'll give that check based on whatever criteria. So those checks are, they do vary. Mm-hmm. I won't get into the, the criteria, but, you know, ultimately, it's not a check to sneeze at either. It's not like they're like, hey, here's 50 bucks in the Starbucks card. They're like, Hey, look, you know, you, here's 10 grand and then you take this lower fee schedule. If you don't, if you don't take the 10 grand, we're going to give you the lower fee schedule anyway. And by the way, you've got 10 days to think about this. <laughs> and we're going to do this right before Labor Day. Yeah. What? I'll give you credit, guys. And you know who you are? That was great. Well, you know, you your phone was ringing with your clients. My phone was ringing with people who were like, what the heck is this? They've never seen it. Yeah, it's nothing to sneeze at. Like you said, it's a couple thousand dollars. And more than a couple, but mm-hmm. I want to go back to the the part where you said um, the criteria for being an expensive provider. So 
we know that there are such things as expensive providers, and we know that there's what we call narrowing of the network where they get rid of expensive providers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And just my example, when you and I were talking was the the one that I got an email for and I had in front of me, they are not an expensive provider. They do not have competitive fees. They're not huge producers of high ticket things. So I was curious how they came up with that number. So let me back up a bit. Let's talk about what an expensive provider is prior to all of this. I know that if you have a really good fee schedule that maybe you have negotiated, then they have high utilization. They, they become an expensive provider. Is that something that the insurance carriers, when you're negotiating, do they say, look, you have a history of crowns. If we give you this fee schedule, we're going to lose our shirts. Is that part of the whole conversation? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they understand trend. They understand what's going to happen this year and next year. So that's what they do. And they have a lot of folks over there, a lot of professionals to do the math. And so that's all, that's all they do. I mean, mm-hmm. That's what insurance is. You know, it's like, okay, well, you have to price risk. And so here's a fee schedule. So what's that going to look like next year? Now they may take it into a different context where they're looking at the overall market. And so let's say that that one practice really wants a lot of money for root canal. Yeah. Endo. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're like, yeah, we don't think there's going to be a lot of root canals done in Metro DC or whatever market you're in. And so they may be willing to give on that, or they may say, hey, you know what? We don't have it. We're paying the actual specialists a lot more than this. And so they're willing to give on it, but maybe they're willing to give on that. And maybe that's awesome for that doc is then you have to understand what percentage of revenue is coming in from that specific doctor. Because the doctor's like, I do molar root canals. And then you look and they only do two. I only have two in there. Well, who cares? You know, I mean, in the great scheme of things, you know, so from a financial perspective, it doesn't matter. But to answer your question, do they take it and then project the increase over a period of years? Absolutely. That is, that is underwriting. So that's what, and I still say we sometimes, but that's what we do. Right. And that's what practice quotient does too, as well. I mean, we're utilizing the same exact underwriting methodology and projection uh, math, if you will for our client that I did when I was on the other side of the ball. Mm-hmm. It's really exactly the same. And that's why a lot of times it's, I think that we are able to get to where we can find a way with the payers that's in the interest of everybody to have a contract at a fair discount rate relative to the market for that specific practice, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what it's about is understanding well, the fees, are they appropriate for that practice? And then understanding where the market is, being fair, transparent, and making sure you're you're playing the game the right way, right? So you can, every practice has to stand on its own. And mm-hmm. so it's about what are the insurance, what's the insurance industry willing to pay? Let's say Duncan Dentistry in Virginia. Yep. You have to look at what the entire market's willing to pay, and then you look at your outlying contracts. And then you have to understand your overhead, right? Mm-hmm. And so assuming your overhead is 60 to 65%, which is around where it usually is, yep. you shouldn't be taking on plans that when you do the math over a period of a year, you're getting 50 cents on the dollar. Because for you, the dentist, Duncan Dentistry, mm-hmm. the reason that you are participating with a PTO is because you may or may not think you have to, I don't know, the attitudes are, they vary widely actually. But if you think about it, it's for, it's all towards marketing. Yes. You're getting the promotional consideration of being on that carrier's website <laughs> with dozens of other names 
depending on your area. Now, if you're nowhere, you know, you're the only dentist within 20 miles, that could be a big deal. But then you're the only dentist in 20 miles. Why do you need to do as much marketing? This is why it's great to be Duncan Dental because D is higher than than most of them. So I will show up first. Not if you have a higher cost of care, because if you have a higher cost of care, they're going to bury you. You're going to be on page five anyway. Well, now see, that's that's something that I think people need to think about is when you do become that outlier and you end up costing them more than what you what they anticipated. How many times has that happened where somebody has gotten that letter that says, hey, you're you're off the network. It's just not working. But the carrier has decided to cease the contract. Does that happen to very often to your clients? No. So th- then that's because you've you've not tried to negotiate them out of the out of the stratosphere, right? It has to be fair. Yeah. yeah. You, you see everybody that's listening, nobody told me that. All right. <laughs> Let me tell you what nobody's told you, it does no good to negotiate the highest fee schedule in the world. You're like, I've got $1,500 crowns over here. Holy smokes. <laughs> well, guess what? That carrier is never going to put patients in your chair, ever. There's no good to negotiate the highest fee schedule in the world if they can't put patients in their chair. It really needs to be viewed as a partnership of what's going to, you know, it's, fees are the most important component typically. But it's also, okay, how much access do you want to have? And then it's also the intangibles of, is that carrier or that business or that organization, are they a good business partner for us? Do they actually help promote us? Are they burying us on page six? You know, what are they doing? Are they paying their claims on time? Are they making us do narratives? Are they driving our staff crazy? Because nobody's getting up in the morning to get dressed, drive to work so they can sit on the phone with. I'm not going to mention any names. Acme Insurance. Acme Insurance Company. <laughs> that's my go-to, Acme Insurance. Yeah, for two hours. And and that's why uh, companies like yourselves and uh, my friend Leslie Isnogle and Tina Brown, who do the actual like entering in the payments, Mary Beth is another one that I recommend. And I can list all of these in the in the show notes. But that's the reason why your company has grown. That's the reason why their company has grown, because dentists are looking at their team members just sitting on the phone. They don't know what they're doing. And honestly, if you look at the scheme of things, they're paying them a lot of money to sit on the phone. And what I see often in the Facebook pages is, can someone walk me through how to negotiate a contract? It's, my doctor wants me to negotiate a contract. And they're going to kind of bootstrap it, go through you know, uh, accumulate all of the knowledge that these Facebook groups can give them and then they try to negotiate. So mm-hmm. I have a question for you because we've talked about this before, like all this information on Facebook. How many times have you had to do a rescue negotiation when a person initiated it and then was like, I'm so in over my head? Uh, many times. Okay. What is the one or two things that they've done prior to contracting with you that really has just torpedoed the whole or closely torpedoed the whole situation. If they took a fee schedule from some other office and were like, you're paying Duncan Dentistry over here thousand dollars for a crown and you're paying us and you have to use the fee schedule, whoop, that's it. Why? That's collusion. That's against the law. Immediately you're going to get shut down and much, much worse if you continue to poke that bear. What happens with the doctor who gave you that fee schedule? doctor is now at risk uh, they can come back he violated the confidentiality they can and will you know take him off of that him or her off of that fee schedule and very well depending on how mad they are bring them to court the word was collusion that's the word you used it's against the law it is a criminal offense i mean could they push it that far they could i don't mm-hmm. know i haven't 
seen anybody do that. I don't know what the ROI is for them on that. I mean, there doesn't seems like a really just about making an example out of somebody. Yeah. You know, where it is that's going to happen soon. I don't have anything tangible that I can back that up off of. I am surprised it doesn't happen more often though. So, and I just said, I apologize listeners. I said ROI without explaining it. And I, I realize some of you are first time listeners. So return on investment, like what's the benefit of doing that? So, because really, like you said, it's to prove a point. It's not like they're going to retain anything or recover anything monetarily, mm-hmm. but when I see in Facebook groups, can anybody share their fee schedule? We want to see what you're getting. We're looking to negotiate. That is exactly what Pat's talking about. The collusion piece. You are by contract, your doctor signed a contract that said that they're not going to share the fee schedule. But if Mary Jo at the office, who's now the manager, doesn't know that, that's what happens in the Facebook groups. And that's what alarms me. It alarms me too. So um, nobody told me that. If you look at <laughs> the show, every single provider agreement, every single fee schedule you ever see is subject to very strict formal non-disclosure terms where they can sue you. It can be collusion. It is against the law in every single state. You can't break the confidence of the contracts. All right. So they're giving you this fee. If you think that your super secret Facebook group is super secret, you are wrong. It's not wrong. And by the way, it's permanent and they can track it. They probably already tracked it. Yeah. And so what, you know, folks don't realize is how big the machine is on the other side. And so they have a list. It's just a matter of who, who they're going to go after, really. So my advice is it's not worth it. And don't mm. say nobody told me that. <laughs> really, they should know better anyway. Like, you can't share fees. And if you've ever right. tried to do that, you probably got shut down so fast that it made your head spin. So when you say the machine is bigger, you and, you and I have definitely talked about this. Um, for those of you who are like, oh, I don't see them in the Facebook groups. I can tell you without a doubt. I've heard it. Pat's heard it. They are all up in these Facebook groups. They know they're watching. And I mean, just because they're not coming at you or you don't hear it doesn't mean it's not happening. Who's going to get on and say, oh my gosh, I just got my butt handed to me. They're not going to get on and say that. So be careful again, what you're, what you're sharing. Pat's right. You cannot say, nobody told me that we're telling you that now. So (laughs) there it is. One more thing on this. Um, actually, I did hear about a study pub in the great state of Massachusetts having an example magazine recently. And so they didn't get too publicized, but it publicized enough to where the local community over there understands. They discussed the contracts and it was it came back to bite them in the butt? Mm-hmm. They had, they had somebody from a an insurance company at the meeting. So this is something I think, I mean, you and I know this, you know this because you actually know people by face a lot of times. I know whenever I speak at these big meetings, there are insurance carriers in the meetings and they're in the audiences. Mm -hmm. And I know this because most of the time they'll come up afterwards and say things like, listen, I just want to give you a slight correction on this or thank you for being fair. Cause I don't bash it. It is a business. It's business. Like you got to approach it with a business mind, but they are there. And I learned this way, way back when I was at Yankee, the very first time I spoke at Yankee a gazillion years ago. And some lady came up to me and she said, you're the first speaker that hasn't bashed Delta. And I was thinking, I didn't even know that I did not bash Delta because I felt like I was being fair. But that's really, I think, what they're looking for is who's out there bashing. And then they take a look at who in the audience is is giving kind of some shady, I guess, advice. But Mm-hmm. How often do they show up in your in your neck of the woods when you're speaking? Um, I've been inviting them 
since I started. You invite them. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I'm from the insurance. I mean, when I first started doing the talk, I called my friends and I said, hey, I'm doing this talk. Come check it out. I mean, what do you think? It's it's just, it's factual. Yeah. And I'm I'm not bashing anybody. Right. I think that the insurance industry needs the providers and the providers um, to some degree or another, depending on your practice, can find useful partners within the insurance industry. Which partners are the right fit for your practice? Well, that depends, right? There's not a one size fits all solution. There's really not. And if anybody's not on plans, like our job is definitely not to convince you to get on plans. Sure. But, but what mix is the right fit? And so that's what's different every time. You know, the insurance industry, you know, the folks over there, they have families that go to church. I don't, I don't understand why we get all the porch and pitchfork and, <laughs> you know, on them. And, you know, sometimes though I get upset with them with some of the things like that are happening because now I'm on stage and I'm defending everybody from the insurance industry, which by the way, is not really what I get paid to do. <laughs> but, and then they go do some ridiculous stuff that I cannot defend. And that's where I'm having the issue. And then most of those conversations that happen there are going to happen behind closed doors. I don't want to have to do anything publicly, if that makes any sense. There is a, a puzzling development that you and I talked about earlier, and I'd like to get to that, but but not yet. I'm just teasing here. There's something that uh, just kind of has been publicized, and we'll talk about that in a second. I have two things I want to talk to you about. First is going to be Delta Premier and Preferred, so we'll put a pin in that. But I want to circle back to what you just said about the carriers need us, the carriers need providers. I hear a lot that providers don't understand that the carriers need them. So can you explain why the carriers need the providers? Other than we need somebody with a drill. Okay, yes. So this is very common knowledge to me and to anybody in dental in the dental insurance industry in the health insurance industry at all everybody knows this and for some reason realized recently that it's not common knowledge so i'm mm-hmm. going to do this and hope that you're like my interpreter remember and so if i get too in the weeds my vernacular turns too technical please interpret i will so what is dental insurance right dental insurance is a benefit that employers offer to their employees why do they offer that to their employees they do it because their competitors do it let's say you're a hospital well other hospital across town offers dental the number two request to benefit is dental the number one reason why people don't go to the dentist is because they don't have dental insurance so you just have to recognize that it's there so it's a number two requested benefit but the hospital doesn't really care about dental insurance okay the hospital's got their own problems the hr person has got their own issues the ceo and the cfo they have plenty on their plate and so why does coca-cola fedex engineering firms law you know law offices why does any employers do it it's because they want to attract and retain talent so the employees so if you're going to offer a benefit to your employees to attract and retain talent, then it should be something that they want and that they like and that they hopefully understand. So what I'm hearing you say, I'm doing the translating here. I'm, I'm your Rosetta Stone today, Pat. So <laughs> that every time you, I wish I had, you could follow me around everywhere I go, actually. So this is completely employee driven at this point. So we have employer and employee driven. So to attract employees, employers need to offer benefits. This is tale as old as time. This is capitalism at its best, right? So you have to attract good employees to do the work. 
And the way to do that is with benefits. So if that benefit is not there, there's a gap in the market and the employer needs to seek that out. So if they're demanding dental or dental is something that they could offer that would attract better, then they need to find a dental person. And that's where the carrier comes in. All right. So what they, the employer doesn't go to the carrier. Okay. That's very, nobody understands this part, but so there's actually a middle person that's the benefit consultant or brokers as we're known. So insurance brokers, not practice brokers, totally different professions. Very different. Mm -hmm. But so let's call them benefits consultants. And these people have, uh, are, they're professionals. They have insurance licenses. They're certified in many, many things, you know, health insurance. So that medical insurance, by the way, is like the benefits is usually the second largest line item besides salaries of most companies, right? This is a big deal, but medical is a driver, right? Dental is nothing. And so when dental comes up, when you're sitting in the benefits and they look at this every single year, by the way, every year, they got to go through there. I don't know if you have medical insurance, but I do. And I have an insurance license and I'm pissed yeah. off about it. <laughs> I can't even, I'm like, this is more than my mortgage. Are you kidding me? At any rate, you have... The medical insurance is the trend in medical has been 14% every year. So you're talking about millions and millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. All right. And now, and then you get to the dental. Dental people want it. And so, but what's important about it? The number one thing is who has the biggest network? Okay. Who has the biggest number of providers? So you have to run what's called a geo. All right. So you, where the employees live and work, and then who has the most providers that are in network in that geographical area. So that's number one, number of providers. Then number two, if you're running a disruption, which of these people, uh, the employees go to that network of providers? So that's number two, all right? And then number three is the quality of providers. Mm -hmm. So if you have the, everybody has the DSOs, Everybody has corporate, right? Because corporate's like, well, you just want to be in everything. We want to be in all the plans. I know they sign up for everything. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. And I have conversations with them about it. They don't always pick up what I'm putting down and that's okay. <laughs> so that's not a competitive advantage for any of the carriers. And so then it comes down to, well, who has the unique individual independent practices that more than the other person? Okay. This is the product. Who has the network? And so right now, the reason that Delta is bigger than anybody else is because the Delta Premier Network has the largest number of docs and has the largest number of independent docs in very hard to recruit areas. And they have a lot of those people that do not participate with any other plans, which gives them a huge edge in this. Because the difference in price Dental insurance is a commodity. So the price, especially when you're you're right next to the medical. So you're talking about when, when an employer is looking at the breakdown and they're getting ready to purchase the premium and medical is the huge part. Dental is like this little bitty number, but mm -hmm. they need to make sure that their employers have employees have access to a pretty decent amount of doctors. Right. Because okay. they don't want them to complain. So if, you're, right. if, if you put in dental, right, and nobody likes it, they don't understand it. Or they, they, they have to go to, you know, the clinic on the wrong side of the tracks and, you know, and they care who puts fingers in their mouth and they can't go to the same person they've been going to for 20 years, right? And there's a lot of those people, you know, but it's also the HR people, right, and the executives and any of your really high-end folks, the professionals, 
maybe half of the people I'll buy don't care where they go. You know, they think all dentists are the same. The other half of the people care very much. And that, you know, not really income dependent. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. You said a term um, that I just want, if you could clarify, disruptor. You mentioned the term disruptor. Can you give me context to that term? Disruption? You said it was a disruption. Right. I wasn't sure. I needed you to clarify that. Got it. So every year or every two years, you're going to put the dental out to bid. And so then if you're looking at a 500 employee group in Metro Atlanta and you have all of the claims, you, you have it's running through... I mean, I'll just, let's say that we're at Delta right now and that I work at uh, Aetna. So Aetna, and I'm trying to win the business. And so I'm looking at the request for the proposal. I have the claims. I have the network utilization. So I know I can then do underwrite. So now I have to project what the cost of care will be. Mm-hmm. And then I run it through my network. And then there's going to be, I'm going to have some docs that Delta doesn't have, not a lot, but some. And Delta's going to have some that I don't have. And so mm-hmm. then we also have to decide how you have to understand how many people are at doc, right? That are visiting a non-participant, that are, that's participating with the current carrier, the incumbent, that is not participating with us. Mm-hmm. If you move the business from there to here, then that causes disruption, right? To who? To the employees. Yes. Who might complain. And if they complain to HR or, you know, the CEO's wife, I can tell you, the CEO's wife comes home, the CEO comes home, and she's like, you know, I was at the dentist, and they said they were not in network. They made me pay in cash right there. I had to pull my check. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> Aren't you in charge of this? You know, and the CEO's like, what the hell? I'm not dying on this hill. Where's my HR person? <laughs> Picks up the phone. He goes, boop, boop, boop. He calls the insurance benefit consultant, and he goes, so how many insurance companies are in your Georgia or Texas or wherever you're at? Oh, there's 50? Really? Okay, we'll get one with Dr. Bob on it. Or yes. Dun- Duncan Dental. Right? Yes, yes. That's exactly, that is exactly how it happens. And I don't think people realize how there's not that many hoops when it comes to who can pull the trigger on who purchases dental. My, my story goes back to the U.S. Air when U.S. Air was in a company down here in Crystal City, which was, you know, we, we saw a lot of their employees. And the head of HR was a... It was a patient of ours, head of HR at that time, was a patient of ours. Stuff wasn't covered. And she was very upset about that. And when I explained to her, well, you know, your plan just doesn't cover this procedure. And she she went back and I'll be damned if the next week she said, can you reprocess that claim for me? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it had, she had great coverage after that. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's the fastest policy change I've ever seen. But there it is. You know, that's when I learned the power of the employee. That is when I learned that. The employer is the client. The employer is the one that goes through and employers who decide which benefit consultant. And so, by the way, the benefit consultants aren't going to die on that hill either mm-hmm. because there's so much revenue tied up with the medical and all of the other benefits. Sure. They're not really. You know, they're not, they're not going to worry about dental. They want the medical contract. They're not, yeah. You're not getting country club membership because of dental insurance. <laughs> that's not how it works. And so that's, this is like the critical thing where for some reason, the provider community is unaware and then they start to complain about the, a certain carrier that's dominating their market. And I, I'm like, so just stop it. Just don't take them. Yeah. Don't work for 45 cents on the dollar. Or if somebody's treating you badly, you know, you mentioned partnerships earlier. 
when you're approaching a partnership, right, or due diligence or anything, like, think about it like marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, like, do you just marry anybody? Well, I have I have family members that have done just that, so that's not really a good example. But I understand where you're going. Did that work well? Uh, no, and not not even a little bit for the multiple times that it's happened. Well, everybody loves a wedding. I like other people's weddings. I know, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so so yes, I love that you explained that because I I think the providers they don't see a way out. They feel very trapped. And when I have this, because my phone, I, I shared with you a while ago, my phone has been ringing off the hook with people wanting to do strategy sessions on how to get out of plans. What I say to them is you are ready to do it, but you have to make peace with the fact that you are probably going to let go of an employee or two. You're going to change the pace of your office. You're going to be happier, but you're probably going to make some some staff changes and you're probably going to have to take some training on verbiage and all that because you're going to slow down to spend more time with the patients that are quality, you know, quality as far as um, ROI, I guess. So it, it is, it's a shift. It's an attitude change. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. It's an anecdote. Um, I was talking to a doctor and I explained to him, you know, looking at his staffing and everything, if we were to get off of this huge plan, which is a huge percentage of his practice, I said, you're, you will need to, because of overhead, you're going to need to remove some people because you're going to be upside down. You're going to be losing on overhead and these people aren't going to have anything to do. And he actually made the decision to not go off network because of that, because he had employed everybody in his practice for 10, 15 years. And he could not figure out how to keep them employed if they dropped this plan. And I just thought there's got to be a way, but he, he actually decided not to get off the plan. I have to circle back with him. I wonder if he's changed his mind on that. Yeah, after COVID changed things. Yeah. I, I have heard that though, I, m- more than once. I mean, multiple times. And they go, well, we have all these people, but here, let's turn this question around, okay? Let's say that plan is paying 50 cents on the dollar and the overhead of the practice is 60, 65%. Yeah, you're somehow staying, you're able to keep the bigger staff because you're working really hard and you've got lean and you've got mean, mm-hmm. but you're not profitable. Nobody's happy. Nobody's making their bonuses. And if it's 50 cents on the dollar, if you get out of network, when we know the PPOs, PPOs by definition have out of network coverage, okay, this is not like medical insurance where you have to go in that. Right. If it's 50%, my math says you're going to have to lose half of your patients. If you lost half, you're still going to make the same exact amount of money. Where am I going wrong? Right. You need to have that laid out, you know, math-wise, which is, I know, something you do. I mean, you you guys are all about the numbers. So let's move on to Delta, which is always, I, this comes up in every one of my classes, the Delta Premier versus the Delta Preferred Network. The most common question that I get is, I'm going to bring on a doctor, and I'm Premier. I got this fat fee schedule. What's going to happen? to my fat fee schedule when new doctor comes in. So should I play some, some funeral music at right now or? That fat fee schedule, if it was 1995, that fat fee schedule is about the same as a standard discount right now. What's not is the PPO. The verbiage and the terms that are thrown around, um, I'd like to just back up. Yes. Okay. Both Premier, Delta Premier and Delta PPO are both PPOs. They're utilizing a network tiering strategy, which is not new. It's a common strategy. They're very good at it, particularly in the dental space. But it simply means that you have one major network, okay? And then you say, well, this is our major network, and that's how they built it. 
30 years ago that they said, we're owned by dentists and we're a nonprofit. We'll pay you close to your normal fees. And don't you want to sign up for this? And it's great. We're not a real insurance company. Super duper. Um, and hey, listen, they did a good job. I'll give them credit. And so, but over the years, what was a good fee schedule has eroded because of inflation, right? And then right. they said, well, don't you want new patients? New patients. Great idea. Hey, listen, don't you want new patients? New patients. New patients. <laughs> don't you want to bring smiles to the universe? <laughs> you guys crack me up. You do. And anyway, sure, let's bring smiles to the universe. And then they sign up for the PPO and then they still get paid the premier fees, right? Mm -hmm. And then over time, you're just switching the employer group contracts to where you can go to either one. You can go to the premier network or you can go to the PPO network. Now, obviously, uh, for the, the carrier or the payer you know, or the employer, right? They want low premiums and so they're going to incentivize or they're going to drive people to the lowest cost of care. This does not mean bad people. This is just how it works. They're not the only ones that do it. And so they've done this very successfully. And so what has happened though, is that they've decided that, you know what, then they have some valid reasons. I can, I get it. So I'm not blaming them or anything like that, but they're said, you know what, we need to bring our cost of care down. All right. But we want to keep the same network, right? We still need the largest network. We just want to pay 20, 20, 30% less. So we'll just, uh, build up a big dominant market share. And then we will uh, say that you can't get onto that premier contract and then we'll start telling people the premier's going away. Mm. Whatever, dude, listen, well, you're gonna, you're walking away from the largest network in the country. Is that what you're saying? You're gonna get rid of the largest network in the entire country. Uh-huh, right. So you're still getting premier fees then. Right, and so, um, and so what has happened is uh, very successfully, well, you know, in a lot of states now, if you have a doc that's on a premier contract, which is paying a reasonable 75 cents on the dollar, when you sell it or you hire an associate, then they are saying, you, if you want on the plan, if you want to be a participating provider with Delta, when you do, because we're awesome, when we're not profit, we love you so much, we're going to bring smiles to the universe. You have to help us with these new patients. You're going to do that by taking 55 cents on the dollar. 55 cents on the dollar or 50 cents on the dollar. Don't do the math. That's going to ruin it all. Yeah. Anyway. So then they can't get it. All right. So now you have an administrative problem. If you're one practice, now you have one docs on one plan, the other docs on the other plan. And then some of these states, not all Delta's are the same, by the way, they're not the same company. Of course. Mm -hmm. uh, they do collaborate quite a bit. I'm using air quotes. Like a big yeah, he is. He's using air quotes here. Collaborate. <laughs> they collaborate. They get along really well. So if you think about them like a family, um, they get together for the holidays and get along super well. Family reunion. Share stories. Share stories around campfire. Over the turkey. I gotcha. At any rate, so some states, in most states right now, if you hire the associate, the associate can't be on the premier plan. And so then you credential the associate, now the associate's getting paid a different one. And they might even send letters to your own patients saying, hey, by the way, the crown would have been a lot cheaper if you would have went to Dr. Rookie. Mm. What? Hey, you're supposed to be my partner, warm, fuzzy nonprofit. Yeah. Oh, my dentist, care about smiles to the universe. <laughs> so, and that's the administrative nightmare that I've had to coach so many people through. When a, Mrs. Jones comes in, she's been coming in for years. And like you said, Dr. Rookie comes there and she says, why am I paying this much for a crown? Dr. Rookie's patients get this much. And you're caught with the awkward, honestly, I don't know question. <laughs> that's, that's our answer. That's really what I have to say. I would like to know how you coach that. And so I say to them, you have to be honest, because if you try to explain your way out of it, 
you're, you're screwed. There is no good explanation. There is no good explanation because your office decided to offer a lower fee schedule. You got to own it. What are you going to say to the, the patient? Well, you go to Dr. Jones because he knows your mouth really well. You've been seeing him for years. He's really comfortable with, um, you know, treating you. He has a history. And she's looking at you like a doctor is a doctor. And that's what you have to get to. So you have to identify whether or not the patient is really a fan or if the patient is a convenience patient who really could go to any doctor. And then you have to say, you know, that's your choice. And that's the way it's, you know, we had to negotiate with Delta and that's the way that it came out. I'm happy to have you see doctor. Well, that's, I mean, honestly, what else? It's a bad look. So I say to them, I'm love to schedule you with Dr. Rookie. I know Dr. Jones would hate to see that happen, but I understand if that's a concern for you because I'm not going to lose this patient. I'm not going to dig in. I'm not going to explain, well, because you've been coming here for so long, you're paying premium. There's no good answer. I totally agree with you. No good answer. I'm very direct, you know, willing to mm-hmm. at this point. Um, and, and I'm always, like, honesty is always the best policy. And yeah. so if you, you don't think that that has been factored in because eventually what happens? The patient decides to go to Dr. Rookie every day. Right. Now we have another associate. So eventually the staff is tired of explaining this. And so they just say, they start complaining to the owner and the owner's like, this is awful. We have to explain it. It's ruining our day. It affects culture. And then you just say, screw it. Now I'm going to take 50 cents on the dollar. Because if the letter wasn't going out to the patient, they may not know anything about it. What you said is exactly true. The letter goes out to the patient. And so the patient finds out if they had gone to such and such doctor at the same address, by the way, you would have saved this much money. So that, unfortunately, that letter goes. And I don't think a lot of people realize that until the patient comes in with that letter. <laughs> right. not, not every state does that, by the way, but it definitely does happen. So it, my advice is that you want to prevent, you know, always, you know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. So nobody told you that. Somebody just told you that. <laughs> I'm also going to hope that somebody told you how to read and write and that you also know how to write letters. Well, yes. Yes. And we can talk about that on another episode because that's a whole different conversation on how to communicate with your patients about benefits. So to go back to the Delta and um, so the PPO versus the Premier, the myth out there is that Premier is not signing anyone anymore. There's no Premier networks or contracts to be had. Yeah. um, I had to cough a lot. (laughs) I read it on a Facebook. We did. All right. Yeah. You know, I just got on this Facebook thing. And this is just, sorry, I'm not being funny. I'm not here if he has this year. I see the kookiest bullshit on there uh, ever. I mean, it's crazy to me. Stop getting your news from Facebook and definitely stop getting this your information about this particular topic from Facebook. And no, your doctor friends don't know either. He said, Pat, what you're saying isn't true because I talked to two of my doctor friends and they said, I thought nothing happened. I said, it doesn't really matter what they said. You're the one looking at the contract. So I got to take your word for it. I mean, so it's the one thing for some reason I saw my mind this week. Delta Premier going away, not anytime soon, despite what you hear. You know, there's a PPO plus Premier. So you're kind of getting 80% of the truth, right? So that product specifically as it's filed, selling more. You know, they're just selling PPO plus Premier because they're not going to be able to get rid of that network. Then it comes down to, well, how much 
do they need to with that dock, right? And so it depends on the state. And Delta is going to do what Delta does. And every single, and they're not unique, by the way. Every company is the same way. The game plan or the strategy, the playbook here, just to let you in, right? It's, uh, I don't think it's a secret. You get the 50% market share or whatever your tipping point is, and then you squeeze your cost of care. Yeah. Because you have all the leverage. So if you were in an area that has a dominant market share of 70% or more by one carrier, I'm betting you're getting screwed by that one carrier. Mm -hmm. And if you go back to, uh, listeners, if you go back to the episode where I broke down the Delta contract, you don't have to listen to the whole episode, just download the lawsuit because the lawsuit, well, you should listen to the whole episode is what Pat's saying. Um, <laughs> but you should download the lawsuit itself because in that lawsuit, you will see the percentage of market share that they have in each state, that Delta has in each state, which is really fascinating. Even to somebody like me or even you, Pat, who knows the industry, it was still like, whoa, look at these numbers. So very interesting reading. And if your insurance nerd flag is flying like mine, you'll you'll go and look at that. I'll link that in the show notes as well. One more thing. So we're at the beginning, you said like it was a parade of insurance nerds. If it's a parade, like, are you on a float or are you on like one of the scooters? No, I'm a, I'm on a float. I do not scoot. I'm not scooting. I'm, <laughs> I will, I will be on a float. Actually, I would like a big balloon, Teresa, to come down uh, the Macy's Day Parade. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I'd like a, a big, a big Teresa with like a bit, maybe my, my finger pointing like I do sometimes in class and. That way my son can take a big picture of it and laugh hysterically for years. My son who says to me, I can't believe people pay you to speak. <laughs> <laughs> my wife says that too. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, you don't, you don't know. If you bring your son in right now, I'll tell you. <laughs> He's a good boy. Your mommy is a ninja. <laughs> you do not want to mess with her. I am a ninja with him. I can hear exactly what he's doing at all times. It amazes him. He's like, how'd you know that? I'm the mom. <laughs> so I have mom powers. So let, let's talk about, uh, because I, again, time flies on this podcast. And whenever you and I are talking, let's talk about the last thing, which is there's a lending program out there that some doctors may be able to take advantage of. And, and many doctors have, but I'm confused because the lending program seems to me to be not much different than the percentages of other lending programs, but the big differentiator here, listeners, you're wondering why I'm talking about banking. This is a this is a Delta Dental owned company or a partnership. Do you know exactly what the relationship is? Lendever is the name. This just hit my radar uh, very recently, and so uh, there's a thread on a certain very well known publication. I'll link it. I have no problems linking it on Dental Town. There's a link to this Lendever, and so um, that they are in some sort of partnership under the cover of COVID that Delta of California wants to help everybody um, and buy down your interest rates. Part of the catch of that, though, is that if you're taking over a premier practice, you're going to have to take the PPO contract, and there's multiple years of... Three? Was it three? Um, I can't say for certain. I haven't seen the language I've heard three. Okay. And so if you go for Premier that's paying 75 cents on the dollar down to um, the PPO, you're going to lose 35 to 40% at least to make sure you're taking that into your practice value. And it's a little puzzling to me, even if they are shaving a point off of it, it's not worth it for that move. Um, I've done the math and 
you know, so you're probably losing for every two million, you're losing a million with that percentage. Yeah. And so I'm not sure why they're tying that to it. If they want to be good guys, I think that their, their cause is noble, but why are we having this extra condition? Because I know that you want to be the good guys, right? <laughs> Pat's shaking his head a little bit. The, the draw is let's give you a percentage less than what the going rate is, but interest rates, the Fed just said interest rates, we're going to keep them, you know, pretty much bare bones zero. Why are, why do they need to go with this plan and have so much contingencies where they can go with the regular lender and not have all those contingencies? Amen, Deacon Duckett. By the way, just so you guys know, uh, because I have to ask around for my clients, because I, I like my clients, and we invest a lot of time and resources into them, and they get to know us very well. And if it's not obvious from listening to me here, I'm pretty direct. <laughs> you know, we heard about this, and I called around the bank. I said, look, what are you talking about? Don't you have a lot of money over there? I mention any names, but very large banks that are publicly traded companies. Mm-hmm. And they said, look, we were, we, you know, yeah, yeah, COVID, underwriters, deposit was off, you know how it works. I'm like, you're right. And they said, well, deposit back on. I'm making deposit is back on. So I'm not mentioning any names, and I'm not telling out any favorites. I'm just saying there's plenty of banks that have told me that the deposit is on. Without any ties to signing up for 45 cents on the dollar to become an indentured servant for the next three plus years. Right. And honestly, if you were not to remove that restriction, then it becomes a strictly loan evaluation process. But that restriction, I mean, you don't know what they're going to do in the next couple of years. Any carrier, not just Delta, you don't know if they're going to reduce their fees. We hear this all the time. They now in some states have to provide you notice of the fee change, but sometimes they don't. Do you really want to be in that situation where you're going to be reduced. And by the way, if you fight this, it's not a matter of just getting off network. It's now a matter of whatever penalties were attached to this loan. Absolutely. It just doesn't make a, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And honestly, if any, I I know you guys are listening. If there's something that we're missing, please let us know. I, I just don't see the appeal of this. What Pat was saying about the faucets being turned off after COVID. This is true. We, you and I both heard from different lenders that they were, and, and I heard from clients that they were not lending right now, but now the confidence is back. It's higher. People are lending again. Confidence is back. And hopefully this continues. Hopefully uh, COVID doesn't throw us another curveball and gives us COVID 19.1, you know, version one. I'm cautiously optimistic. And I think that the, you know, overall the dental industry is, is doing very well. There's a lot of things. And so, you know, the politics in this country is a lot of control right now. And so hopefully <laughs> after November, things will go back to normal one way or the other or whatever normal is. Well, at least we'll see what, what will happen then. Because, you know, uncertainty in the market, for those of you who are pay attention to the market, uncertainty in the market is is a market killer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Hopefully we can um, get to, get to a, some normalcy or maintain the normalcy. So. And to your point, though, too, so if you don't want to call Teresa, and I'm talking to all my friends over there and on the other side of the ball, we don't have to be on the other side of the ball. What am I missing? Yeah, you know how to find me. I don't hide. And tell me if I'm getting something wrong here, because it sounds to me like you're trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And then somebody came up with an idea at a meeting, and you threw it in, and I kind of nullified the good intention. Isn't that how, how these things happen? Somebody comes up with a good idea and then it's like, wait a second, let's do this, 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 and this. And 
I believe there's an institution called Congress where that happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> let's attach this, this, and this, and let's see what happens. That's a very good analogy. I like that. So we are right at an hour and you need to come back because we need to dig a little bit more into these little, the insurance nerd stuff. This, when, when people don't turn off these podcasts, I know that I've got my audience, my people and your people. So we need yeah. to speak a little bit more of that language. I didn't have to translate too much for you, honestly. I, I've been trying. I'm really hard. You're getting really good at this, at, at talking and making sure it's explained. And because when I first met met you, it was lots of um, technical jargon, which I knew but have not used because I'm used to explaining it in a different way. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, this is broker talk. <laughs> yeah, insurance broker talk, by the way. Insurance broker talk, yeah, so... I think getting, having, doing the dental business radio is made, and listening to the show has made me more aware of the vernacular vocabulary that I'm using and to make sure that when I'm explaining things that it's accessible to all parties. And, you know, I do think that the Deacon Duncan, like Alexa interpreter. So, <laughs> terrific idea that I would love to have. I need a Deacon Duncan balloon float down uh, down the Thanksgiving parade. That's what I need. I, I could probably make a float happen, but I don't know if I can get it like on, on Thanksgiving. <laughs> de Blasio can make this happen if he wants. How about Main Street in Woodstock, Georgia? Yeah, I'll do that. Sure. On May 10th. <laughs> Deacon Duncan Day. <laughs> All right, I'll get to work on the balloon. All right, dear listeners, if you have any questions about what Pat does or what his company does, him and Scott, they're wonderful to talk to. Practice Quotient is where you want to go. I've been recommending you all for years, so this is not something that people who know me, this is not going to be new to them. So hopefully uh, they can help you with any of your situations. And, and you and I have talked about this. I'm very transparent. I recommend you unlock the PPO and Five Lakes. So there's three that I say go talk to. And you decide which one you gel with and unlock the PPO, our friends, Sandy and Lisa, they're pretty much just like, no, one doctor only. Do not give me more than one doctor. They only like solo practices. You guys get the funnel. I do like to bring on my friends, like you said, trusted advisors. I do like to bring on my friends because I know you'll give the, the straight talk. So I appreciate your time on here. Well, I appreciate yours. And it's always a pleasure, Teresa. Thank you to all of the listeners out there. If you like the show, please leave some comments and uh, five-star ratings for Teresa. And for you, Dental Business Radio, go check out that podcast. Go check out Dental Business Radio, too. And yeah, if you would like to speak to me, you can find me on LinkedIn, on, um, on Facebook, apparently, and www.practicequotient.com. I will link all of that for you. So thank you very much. And again, dear listeners, I always appreciate the time that you spend with me. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn. <laughs>